Hello, everybody. Welcome once more to Thinking Aloud about film. We are continuing with our exploration of context for Hu Shaoshan cinema. So, in this case, looking at cinema by Sin Chi who is a Taiwanese filmmaker. Today, we are going to be looking at uh, Foolish Bride, Naive Bridegroom <laughs> from 1967. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, so, Richard, what did you think? I, it was great. It was com completely ridiculous, screwball comedy. But actually, he had some quite interesting things about gender relations, I think. It was sort of, I think it was kind of quietly subversive. Yes. I mean, some of it would not be allowed today. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's one of those things that people now find so shocking about early 1930s American cinema, right? This threat of socking your wife or whatever. Here it's done for sports. So like, you know, you, you schedule a fight in <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. for release. <laughs> So I think, uh, you know, some people would find some aspects of this film um, difficult to watch. And it would be a pity because the film is so light mm. and inventive, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so do you want to tell the story? Uh, sure. Yeah. So the, there's a there's a foolish bride and a naive bridegroom. <laughs> the, the bridegroom is not so naive. He's not so naive, no. So, and, so, the, and the bride isn't so foolish. No. Unless... Well, it depends you know, which ones they're referring to. Exactly. Ah, because yes. it turns out there are two brides and two bridegrooms. It's a bit of a spoiler. But, so basically, there's a, a young couple, so kind, kind of slightly nerdy young man, and he's in love. He, he and the girl next door are in love with each other. Um, and kind of against the wishes of their parents. Um, he's also, and this isn't really explained, but the, the boy is, for some reason, completely irresistible to women. And women yeah, just chase him down the street for reasons which are not adequately explained, but it's quite no, quite I amusing. No, I couldn't figure that out myself. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, they, they, these two want to get together. It's against the parents' wishes because there seems to be a background of you know you, marriages are arranged through marriage brokers and this kind of thing, which as as also happens in Cute Girl, interestingly. Um, yeah. So they want to get together, but they can't. Then the parent, the, he he is being brought up by his father. The girl is being brought up by her mother. The parents then meet and realise that they are former lovers uh, it's like i don't know how they haven't realized this because they seem to live next door <laughs> to each other but anyway. so, so they're, they're, they're former lovers and they, they both believe that each other has betrayed the other one uh, you know so they they forbid the wedding the kids then elope and apparently they seem to be living together in sin you know for like months um and 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 and, and, and then everything's resolved and everyone and both couples get married so it's all it's all it's all happy um but, but yeah, that, that's the, the basic plot. But it's the, the style of it is this very kind of weird, offbeat comedy. There's a lot of slapstick accompanied by, you know, comedy noises when people fall over and this, this kind mm. of thing. It's all a bit Benny Hill in places. There's an article, and uh, I don't see an author's name here, uh, but it's from King's College, uh, where they say... While the rest of the world was going through sexual liberation, Taiwan, the Republic of China, had just started its cultural renaissance movement 
in response to the Cultural Revolution in China. The Cultural Renaissance movement emphasized Confucian values, and official Mandarin films also started to be influenced by, by this morality. But with Foolish Bride, Naive Bridegroom, Xing Qi, uh, once again takes a real pleasure in deconstructing all the traditional patterns and embracing the young people's perspective. I saw that article too, and it was really interesting. And it also makes the point that the the gender roles, the, the traditional gender roles in the film, are kind of reversed. In, in that the you know it's the, it's the young girl who's the assertive one in the partnership, and she's the one who decides to elope. In terms of the parents, it's the they, as they describe it, the the father is kind of this stereotype, kind of whining widow type of person Milk who toast. yeah. Whereas the, the 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 mother is is very kind of aggressive and, and 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 forthright so it's kind of yeah it's kind of, it's a, yeah it's a reversal of gender roles but it's quite a familiar one if you, you know, in terms of of you know british or american comedies of the of the of the era like you know the carry on films or the or, or the adventures of a windows cleaner type of films but but certainly the carry on films with the big strong women and the little men it's it's, it's very similar to that style Okay, what I'm going to do now, and you know, this will be a new game for us, but I thought what I do is just mention all the things that caught my eye, mm -hmm. yeah, and just get you to comment on them. So the first thing was the way that music was used for comic effect, mm. you know, almost like in silent cinema, yeah? Yeah, That yeah. kind of, you know, a series of actions is kind of accompanied by a very particular type of comic music. Absolutely, and as I say, it did remind me of of um you know very broad comedies that you would get in the uk i mean like essentially the carry on films where you where you would get these musical refrains when something funny happens to kind of reinforce the fact that something funny has happened the other thing was the appearance of the bandages right so that there's like the stop motion thing where like these bandages appear on his face yeah and it seemed um very modern well, kind of those techniques so in a way the film doesn't look like much but it's almost the way that you say, well, comedies don't need to look like much. But actually, you get a real kind of, uh, you're, you're very aware that this is a filmmaker's film, that they know what they're doing, that the camera's always moving in the right place at the right moment. And it has its rhythms, you know. So, for example, that moment where the, 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 the father and uh, the mother begin to fight and you know the camera it's almost like it goes below them as if they're about to start a wrestling match yeah, right yeah, yeah yeah um you know so 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 those images and that use of the camera is its own comic effect did you catch other incidents yeah the, so the, the, there were there were some shots as, as you say like that one that are very carefully staged and and there was and the, the i mean the section you mentioned earlier with the kind of pre-arranged fights uh, that reminded me a little bit of some of the later Hao Shashan stuff where the fights are not seen on screen. They disappear through this door, which then closes and you just, this thing is happening off screen within this little frame. Um, but then there were other points where it had this kind of almost documentary feel to it. That was my next question. Uh -huh, there you go. Um, so, so yeah, there, you, you get some bits where it's done on a, on, a, on a very obvious set and very carefully staged and very carefully framed. And then other bits where he takes the camera onto the street. And there, as, as one, of the, one of the articles we, we found about it mentions, there are, you know, passers-by just like looking at the camera and, and so on. I mean, it's kind of a neo-realist type, type of thing where he's yes. just filming in the streets. So that, that was really interesting. Yes, I, I was going to say that because you do see passers-by looking at the camera and it's clear that they are uh, filming in a real location. 
Um, and therefore, the film takes on a kind of a different feel, right? So, you know, you can imagine people looking at these films and saying, oh, you know, this could be my grandfather. My grandfather used to dress like this. Or, you know, this is how we lived. And you get, you know, because the, the films evoke Again, this is a recurring pattern in our podcast. But, you know, these are cultures on the edge of modernity or, or on the twist to modernity, right? On the cusp of modernity. Yeah, and, and another interesting thing about these films is, and this links back to the discussion we had a couple of months ago about film farsi, that it, it was a kind of almost lost genre of, of cinema. Uh, so the, these... Um, you know, Taiwanese language as opposed to, to, to Mandarin films were apparently only only being made up to about 68, 69. So this is one this one was one of the final ones to be made. Um, and the films, I guess, were, were not widely circulated after that. I mean, they, were, they presumably weren't banned in the way that the film Farsi films were banned, but they weren't accessible. You know, they, they, the copies available were in very bad quality. And so what the Taiwanese archive has done is, is, is you know, really brought these back to life and made them accessible. And, and they, they seem to be trying to, regularly do international tours of these films although at the moment obviously doing those online to 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 bring these to a to a wide audience so 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 yeah again it's interesting again like with the film farsi stuff where that's a genre a popular genre of cinema that everyone was watching until it then stopped happening mm, yes good point this is also a film that is cine literate so that you know there was a passage where you know again for comic effect they speed up the film mm. Yeah, uh, which felt very like silent cinema comedy yeah. to me. That was uh, one of the particular effects. Did it work for you? It was a very broad, offbeat comedy. It was the style of silent film. But again, as with the use of music, this was something that was happening in, uh, you know, popular British cinema of the time as well. In terms of, of, of in terms of carry on and that kind of thing, where you, where you would get slapstick and you would get very broad humour. You would get musical stings. You would get speeded up footage. You know, it was so. It, it's it's an interesting comparison, I think. The film is resolutely middle class. Yeah, uh, you you know, I was struck by uh, the houses, which are very typical Japanese influence houses. Again, you know, this use of screens and frames within frames that we see from Hu Shaoshen, yeah, and that we saw in the uh, Lin Chu films uh and we see them here again um but this time it's very interesting because you have those japanese screens but you also have like 1965 modern furniture inside the houses don't yeah you? yeah it's very it's yeah. very the the whole style of it is very very mid to late 60s i mean it's i mean the for the starting with this i mean it's got this brilliant animated um title sequence with mm. um with these kind of stop motion animated little doll figures um, kissing each other while the, this kind of jaunty 60s pop song starts. And so you're, you're immediately in the, you, yeah, you, you watch this title sequence and it just evokes that sense of a, you're going to be watching a, a fun 1960s film. And the other thing I loved was the, the way the subtitles were. Um, I with the, the English subtitles kind of really gave you a flavor of this being kind of, very 1960s slang so the father just keeps saying the women are invading the house trying to have their end away with the son and he's like oh you crazy cats and you know <laughs> which of the flirty cats are you and, and this kind of thing it's, uh, which uh, you know, uh, 
in some of the the earlier films, um, you know, the, the subtitles are being a little odd in terms of how they've how they've um, translated the swearing in a very strong way. Whereas this just felt like someone has actually used authentic 1960s British slang, um, English slang, you know, to to uh, evoke the sense of what the film is like. You know? It's a film that I think is is really simply, but very well structured, right? So it bega- it begins about you know this guy who all the women are into, you know, and then you have this couple, you know, and then this cap couple is antagonistic to the older couple who used to be a couple but were not allowed to marry, and then it ends with a dual marriage, right? It's a, a kind of a classic uh, structure, but one I appreciated, yeah, you know mm. because. So many of this, these films, these mid-1960s Taiwanese films that we've seen seem to go all over the place. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, multi-genre, multi-action, multi-everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this kind of neat structure was, was, yeah, was very yeah. welcome. I, I really like, because there was, I mean, there's certain points where it kind of moved out of that comedy genre almost. So the, when, the point where the, where the young couple have eloped, and the and the father is then kind of walking the streets and really sad. And then there's this really quite long scene where he meets this young couple, another young couple yes. who've eloped from elsewhere and uh, and have no money. It's raining, and they're going to they're trying to sell their coats to to just so they have money to eat. Um, and it's actually quite a moving scene because the yeah, the father first then kind of berates them for what they've done to their parents, and then says, "Well, okay, I don't. Oh, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll buy the coat and give them some money." And then he walks off with the coat and, and it's a woman's coat. And he just says, well, I, I don't need a woman's coat. And he just kind of, because clearly he just wants to give them money. He doesn't want to. Um, yeah. He doesn't want to embarrass them by making them yeah. think it's charity. He's just like, oh, I've, I've just bought the coat, but it's a rubbish coat. And he kind of throw, throws it away so they can take it back, you know. Uh, but I, I actually found that quite, a, yeah, it was sort of change of register of the film. And, and, but I, yes. I, I did really like that sequence. One of the things that characterizes cinema uh, is that it's, also musical. I think there are about at least three musical numbers in the film. Yeah. 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 What did you make of them? Yeah. Again, as with, um, I, well, certainly with uh, Bride of Return from Hell, would, would break into song occasionally. I like the music. Again, it was in that kind of mid '60s register. But it, but again, you could see you, you're seeing more and more where a film like Cute Girl comes from. In, yes. in terms of the genre, because actually there the, were the, a lot of points of commonality with Cute Girl. Very different style, but Cute Girl, for, for a start, you've got that this kind of romance against the parents' wishes and this kind of, you know, marriage for love versus the marriage contract. Uh, but also... And isn't isn't the hero here also a school teacher? Uh, yes, I think he is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could see this film. You could imagine this film being made with Ken, Kenny B and Fong Wei Fei. You know, uh, twenty years <laughs> later, it would be stylistically different. But again, the, the, this whole style of, of, of filmmaking, where you will get these these like montages where the, 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 there's a song playing on the soundtrack while some stuff goes on, is 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 very. It was enjoyable. It was fun. It fit, it fitted with the film better. I mean, the Bride Who Returned from Hell. It was kind of quite odd where this kind of gothic murder mystery suddenly breaks into song, the song. <laughs> whereas, whereas this one actually did feel more organic in, in, in the way it fits it did film. i noticed as well that the film shows no respect for international copyright because you know i recognize a lot of music mm. right so the third, man, a lot, the third man thing 
keeps playing. Third Man <laughs> thing, the, the girl from Epanema. Mm. I also recognize uh, songs from Rocco and his brothers, mm. right? Mm. Yeah, so, um, but in this film, they seem to have uh, a kind of a unity of arrangements, mm. right? So, you know, the girl from Epanema was quite sparse and it was like a saxophone. Yeah, and then the bits from Rocco, yeah, were also, I mean, it was the same melody, but it was orchestrated differently. Yeah, So, yeah. you know, and maybe that's the way they got around it. Yeah, right? again, like, Ro know, Rocco and his brothers, as seen in The Boys from Funquay. Ah, yeah. yes, so, another yeah. connection. Yeah. <laughs> um, another connection, I perhaps, is that it's very clear that the film is not set in Taipei. Mm. Yeah, we don't know where it's set, but it's some small town. Um clearly not very rich and certainly architecturally undistinguished <laughs> uh, you know but like you know the young people when they leave they always threaten to leave to Taipei mm, mm. which actually was my first uh, suspicion that it was not Taipei that we were looking at because you know my initial impulse was this must be Taipei yeah you know because yeah of the cars and yeah, yeah it's yeah. big enough so that it could be a big city a big undeveloped or underdeveloped city. Yeah, but actually the, the film points us to it not being. Uh, and, and it also made me wonder about the kind of place that Taipei signified in the country. You know, how you know London has particular meanings to the rest of the country, mm -hmm. and actually meanings that might be different in, let's say, you know, uh, I don't know, Cornwall, versus like Yorkshire or something, you know. Um, so, I mean, it's obviously the capital, but it's like the den of iniquity and of all vice and, you know, yeah, is it an escape to freedom, yeah? Anyway, I... I That's in, it's I, interesting, isn't it? And I wonder whether there's also an issue around, I, and, I, and, I, and I have no idea whether this is the case or not, whether the, you know, because presumably the government is located in Taipei, so that's kind of a centre of Mandarin speakers and that the... the the, the, the actual um, kind of native Taiwanese are distributed more around the country. I, 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 I don't know. Well, that's an interesting thought. Um, I also noticed that there's a zoom, a very cleverly used zoom uh, in the film, which is completely characteristic of the period, right? But which again makes you wonder about means. Yeah, because, you know, they clearly had access to the latest lenses, at least in this film. Right. And like I said at the beginning, it's a very cinephile film. Yeah, it's aware of film culture. It's using bits from here and there and, you know, creating effects. For yeah, particular yeah. Uses of things. So I just wondered if maybe you caught different things or if you had anything to say on on this particular thing. Not on that particularly, but uh, but as you've said before, it, it's a very technically accomplished film, although, you, you know, you, you know, they're working with these limitations, you know, that, you know, basically everything yeah, everything is the dialogue is all post synced, and and I mean, the, I think I know with, with the other films, and, and I think also with this, we've commented on the editing, and that probably comes down back to something we were talking about on one of the Ho Shao Shen films, where they had limited limited access to film stock, so they were just filming what they could, and and you know they wouldn't have coverage, and so on and so on. Um, so so yeah, it, it's so with the you know this and the you know, Bride of from Hell. Both visually, I think, very interestingly made films. Interesting, and and with the, there there are shots where he's really thought about how he's going to do it. And the one you mentioned with the the faces appearing from from below is is is, is a great one. But yeah, there are various ones with you know faces appearing in windows and um, 
it, it's an yeah, it's an interestingly interesting choice of of shots. Mm. I have two uh, major areas uh, to go uh, through with you. One is the wedding at the end, yeah, which again is very documentary in feel. Yeah, it is like, you know, the camera going through the streets. Uh, in fact, you know, the actors are covered up and they're being carried. Again, it really evokes a sense of place at a particular time. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, I wonder if you had any thoughts on it because all of the films that we've seen have these interludes, yeah? You know, and then I wondered, last time we talked about how the films were financed, yeah, that the producer would go around small towns in the hinterlands and raise money, right, you know, from the cinemas that were showing them. And I, I did wonder, well, is showing like these documentary bits, you know, like some a little bit with, like with early cinema, is that part of the program? Maybe, maybe. But the other thing about that wedding scene is, 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 is that article from King's College mentioned, the, the wedding scene is the last blow against tradition. The, the, the man takes the role of the bride taken away in a sedan and delivered to his wife's house rather than the other way around. Which brings me to uh, the more contentious point, which is, the, you know, so the young um, lovers have had, uh, you know, they're not getting along. Uh, they, they're walking towards the cinema and they see a fight taking place indoors. So all they can hear is the, you know, the crockery breaking and things like that. Uh, and then, you know, the people come out and they've just had a fight and they're all bloodied, this other married couple, and they feel relieved and happy and they're back in love. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, then the young couple go in to have their fight. What did you make of all of that? It's, it's an odd scene, uh, but I think, it get, it, I think it gets away with it because I, it didn't seem to me. I mean, clearly, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's it's a husband and wife having a fight, and it's treated for, as as comedy. Um, but it's this is not a husband beating up a wife, right? It's a it's a it's a husband and wife deciding that they're going to have a fight, and they go into this building to have a fight. It, it when you're watching it with today's eyes and, and today's views on 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 domestic violence which is clearly unacceptable you know you you have that you you bring that to it but i don't i don't think didn't seem to me that's the intention that's not what being what's being portrayed they're just mm. they're just the couple decides oh yeah that's we're going to go in there and have it and have it out and they and they they do and then they come out and yes it's not a scene you would include in a film now but I mean, you wouldn't get away with it now. but you know you think about ah. those you know the, all those egyptian films where you know it, Pretty much every Egyptian melodrama we saw, there'd be a scene where a man slaps a woman, and, and you know, it, it, it's. I'm not saying this is right. It's not. You know, I felt this is a scene that's worth discussing in that context, but it, I, I didn't view it as endorsing domestic violence. No. You know, I, um. Well. Well, I, I'm not sure about that because, in a way, it does endorse it. Yeah, it's kind of a saying, you know. Uh, fight it out and you'll be completely released. You'll mm. find release yeah, in it yeah, and, you'll, and yeah. you'll be okay after that and love each other even more. So I think it is kind of endorsing it. But unlike the Egyptian films, what this film has is that the women have the upper hand. <laughs> I, I think, yes, and I think that's probably why I didn't have a problem with the scene because I, I, I think it yeah, generally in the film, the women having the upper hand and, you know, the, the they 
are taking a proactive role in deciding to do to have that that battle. Um, plus, it's not shown. Yeah, it's, plus it's not shown on screen, and you know, it, it's just like you know they've just thrown pots at each other inside the house, and then they come out. It's um, as I say, it, it's to today to today's eyes, it's 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 odd, but. Um, mm. There's a very interesting conversation between Garson Kanan and um, George Cukor. Uh, I forget which film uh, they're, they're talking about. It's one of the uh, Tracy and Hepburn films, but there's a scene in which um, Spencer Tracy was meant to be sleepwalking, and then he ends up in uh, Catherine Hepburn's bed. It's, it's that anti-fascist film. I forget what it's called now. Um, but the argument was no, you know, if you have a man even sleepwalking into a woman's bed, it's scary and frightful and threatening. If you have a woman sleepwalking into a man's bed, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's something about, you know, the power relations between the couple here that makes it funny, right? Because certainly the mother is bigger than the father. You know, she's the one who's always threatening him with violence, right? And so, so that actually, you know, this takes on a different, more comic tone, partly because of women's power within it, yeah? Uh, whereas, you know, in the Egyptian films, it's like the man always... Yeah, I think, I, yes, I, 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 I think that's right. And I, and I think it's, it's part of the way that, that this film throughout sort of subverts the traditional gender roles that you might expect to see in a 50s or 60s Taiwanese film or any or Egyptian film or British film or whatever whatever yeah so uh, it's a potentially problematic scene but I didn't in this case I didn't find an issue with it is there any last thing that you want to add about the film again a very enjoyable film I mean it's not a masterpiece of world cinema by any means but it but it's, it's hugely fun uh, unfortunately it's now dropped off YouTube since we were able to watch it but you know, if if it comes around again, which I'm sure it will, because these are very nice restorations, it's 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 well worth watching. And and, and again, we should thank the uh, TFIA for making these this, these fascinating selection of films available online. Indeed, I loved it, and I highly recommend. So thank you very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film, and we will be returning in a few days with the uh, the last Sinchi uh, film which is called Dangerous Youth. Dangerous youth. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> All right, I'm Jose. I'm Richard. We're thinking a lot about film. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs> 